Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Chelsea. Here we are again. It's the start of another week. Things have happened. Chelsea didn't play a whole lot of football last week, which was really odd. And also, we find out that people who had COVID a week ago hopefully don't have it today. Mr. Andy Saunders, are you COVID free? Please? Negative man. Negative man. Negative. That's what we like. Negative That's for two days like. in a row. Negative okay. man. That sounds like Craig Burley. <laughs> that's good. actually almost funny and that voice can only be none other than mr gary vangelis hayes Hello. you're meant to play you're meant to play a chord there gary what chord Do you remember? the one that you played earlier on your arrival when you came along oh, what? <laughs> no the no, thing is gary you, you seem to have misinterpreted what that was Oh, what was it? That was that was Gary's entering the room with the Zoom sound on on our producer's laptop. Ah, that's why I asked if he could do it again, and he was yes right. saying yes. Oh, but when Sorry, I came everyone. in, I did fart, which I thought is what you heard. Uh no. Okay, let's move on because this is absolute gibber for everyone who's listening. It. We've got 15 yeah. minutes of rambling on first, haven't we? Yeah, but this is beyond rambling. Uh, just to apologise to everyone, when he came in, the Zoom cord chimed up and it was like a Vangelis moment and we were pretending that Gary had played the chord and he would do it again but he didn't you were pre- so it's you pointless were, you were pretending well okay I was pretending yeah. to oh, yourself yes. everybody well, was uh, scratching their heads thinking what's granddad on about <laughs> doesn't, uh, understand, doesn't just, understand the interweb hold on has the season started yet <laughs> <laughs> who's Vangelis anyway. I know Van Helsing yeah well you know it, it's uh it's old music. Speak to Andy. He'll know about it. You know. What about you, Andre? Were you ever a Vangelis fan? Well, only only in the film. What's the film right. called? What, what's it called? The, uh, uh, the running film. 
Oh, uh, I'm running from the sound of synths. What? No, you know the film I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, probably Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. Yeah, yeah only, only yeah. that's the only sort of sort of Vangelis that I know really. No, but I, the sound of synths really used to really annoy me. Okay. Vangelis in particular. Right. The sound that's of synth is one of the best instruments, Kerry. Well, it's it's evolved. In those days, it was like sort of like hippie claptrap. A lot. I, I always think of um, tougher than the rest. How Springsteen mixes the sound of synth with harmonica. It's pretty incredible. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But it is um, right, getting move. a modern instrument and a you know folky instrument and combining them and merging them, and it works. Did, did, yeah. Is it worth mentioning that Gary wasn't wasn't our original choice of guest this week? No, <laughs> yeah, I we know. had someone. So Cheers, much Chaz. Lined up. Cheers, Chaz. Cheers, Chaz. I'm about to bring late. the comedy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're worried about. But but yeah, so how's it how's it been for you, Andy? Having a week. With only one Chelsea game in it. Is it weird? Do you feel as though we've become indoctrinated to seeing Chelsea every three or four days? Uh, yeah, it was quite it was quite strange, wasn't it, not having a midweek game. But we'd had such a such a sort of crazy weekend with the World Club Cup Championship, whatever it's called. Um I think we all probably needed a, a week to get over it. Um the the hyperbole and the Craig Burley and all the other stuff that went with it. So um, it was quite nice in some ways to to look forward to a Saturday game and having had a little bit of a break. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And um, what I found really intriguing was that we could bask in that week that's just gone as the world champions. It still feels really kind of surreal and very odd. Um, and I have to say... It was. I would agree with you. I thought. It, I thought it was a very, very nice thing to have a game on a Saturday afternoon. Um, Gary, what about you? Um, what did you make of being world club champions? And also, didn't you do some sort of tweet in response to uh, Craig Burley that well, has had an awful lot of traction? I did do two. So thanks to Craig Burley, my Twitter interactions of um, from two tweets of top two million what? in the last week. <laughs> yeah. This what? Is nuts. Tell us, explain, Gary. Explain. Explain. It's, it's, it's just. You know, I mean, I blocked I, you ages ago, so you know. I, I, I tweet. Didn't people listen. <laughs> Let me have a look. Andy Saunders. Oh yeah, shit! I'm blocked. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stand your inane witterings anymore. Tell us Am all I about really it, blocked? Gary. I haven't even looked. Let's have <laughs> I haven't a look. Blocked you. No, uh, Gary, just get on with the programme. It's not time for you to be Oh, no, well, I, I did a tweet just laughing about how um, Burley had used Man City as an example to call Chelsea plastic fans, saying we've got an inflated fan base when Man City, of all teams, have got the most inflated fan base. That was the first one. But then um, after the Palace game, I um, just copy and pasted his tweet, but removed um, the references to Chelsea losing in the 12 the 16 point gap i just said whilst chelsea were winning against palace wearing the seal of world champions on their shirts man city were racking up a defeat against spurs a team chelsea beat three times in one month in january let that sink in and uh yeah it just it just exploded and many fans shared my sense of humor a mere thousand likes on that well see i've got an audience andy that's that's <laughs> mental I speak, they really listen. Is. You've just, only got 18,000 followers. You've got just, more likes than you have followers. Oh, and that's more likes than you've got followers and Kerry combined. It's true. It's true. But then, uh, you know, uh, only, only the 900,000 views. 
Yeah. So, you know, I speak, they listen. I mean, the thing about Twitter is it is a hellscape for idiots. So, you know, you are... <laughs> you're you on know, it more than me. You're right, right in the sweet spot there, Gary. <laughs> well, uh, it, let's, let's... Actually, th- this is interesting, because it is a hellscape for idiots. I completely agree. And I've been an idiot 22.2 thousand times. That's how many tweets I've sent. <laughs> oh, really? So, uh, I've probably yeah, sent let, five times that. I'll say, let's, <laughs> let's see how many Mr. Saunders... Oh, I'm not blocked... Uh, a cent, uh, 55.4,000. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, um, I'm, I'm happy to engage. I mean, I'm, listen, I, I don't class myself, uh, as not an idiot, you know, I mean, I'm clearly am an idiot, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's somewhere I feel quite at home. But um, I wouldn't. Oh, I, wouldn't I, 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 I used to really wouldn't like take Twitter it, too seriously. I, I don't. Uh, I used to really like it when I had to for work, but now I just use it as. Uh, well, you used to get all to, sorts of grief, didn't you, when you were? Oh, it was funny. My brother Seb would ring me, and go, "Who is he? Find out who he is, so I can go round and do him." I was like, "All right, just chill out, mate. He's probably ten years old. Send your son round instead." <laughs> oh yeah. dear. Well, look, we we should probably move out of the Twitterverse. And oh, just just uh, one quick thing, Gary. Your brother Seb, Chelsea fan, as we all know, and coach at Oakham uh, Football Club. How are they doing at the moment? Do you know? Uh, last time I checked, they were um, top four. It brought them from the good. bottom. Of, it brought them from the bottom, of the bottom of the table to uh, being in the top four in their league. You should know That's this, right. Kerry. You are the uh, director of football at Oakham. Yeah, but I'm very busy looking for players at the moment. I don't have time to go to the games and watch the games. You know, it's uh, it's 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 all it's all coming together. We've got a plan in place. Um, you know, I I did think I was going to get Jack Wilshire, but he's gone to somewhere he's else. He's injured you know. again. No, no, he's he's gone, hasn't he? He's gone to um, uh, he's gone to Holland, isn't it? Or he's gone to Arnhem? I think. Is he really? Yeah, or Aarhus. Aarhus. How come you don't know this guy? You're Jack Wilshere's biggest fan. Well, no, I just thought there there was a time when I thought if Jack Wilshere had kept fit, he would have been a very good player, which I think is a a fair a fair view to have, right? What do you think? Yeah. Well, you were mentioning this when he'd had something like three years of his career out injured, and we were all no, laughing. No, but at and you. at the time he was he was looking available on a free transfer, wasn't he? Which didn't he end up becoming a free transfer for West Ham? Well, he went to Bournemouth, I think, didn't he? So, but I just thought that before he went made that West Ham move, he would have been a good addition to to Chelsea, not to be. He, but he it, could have been the modern day Winston Bohada, or he could have been, you know, like a a version of Loftus Cheek, maybe, or someone like that. What just comes in occasionally, yeah, fails comes to in impress, and then disappears. Yeah, right. It's, he'd have been pa- see when you look at it like this, he would have been a perfect signing, a massively Absolutely. underwhelming potential. Well, and talent. it was at a time when Chelsea were adamant on signing only injured midfielders, so I was at least on brand and on message. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and t- talking of um, underwhelming. Is anyone a little bit worried about N'Golo Kante at the moment? That not just his form, but also the injuries, the amount of times he's coming in and coming out of the side. Is it concerning you, Andy? Well, I think that's all wrapped up in one package, form, injuries yeah. coming in and outside. Yeah, I, I think, look, a lot of it's down to injuries. Um, you know, he has suffered uh, quite badly. I mean, a, a player of his all-action style that gives 100% commitment is always going to be susceptible to injuries. And there is a, a, a feeling that it might be slightly catching up with him. Um, I can't see him playing more than half half of 90 minutes of all our games now. It's, it's, um, it's really distressing. I mean, when he does play, he's our best player. I mean, usually our best player. But in recent times, 
that has dropped a little bit. He looks like he's lost a yard of pace. He's not going in as hard. He doesn't seem to be as combative. It's worrying, you know, and I think that maybe we should have just let him recover fully rather than try to bring him back half fit. Uh, Who knows? All right, well, here's a question, and I'll ask you first, and then I'll come to Gary. He's got one more season left on his contract. Do you, because of all of those things, start thinking about if somebody comes in with a decent offer, whether you take it in the summer? It's a real quandary, isn't it? Um, Yeah, it is. You know, if you're saying to me, can we renew N'Golo Kante's deal? And by all accounts, he's very happy at Chelsea. If we can renew his deal uh, and keep him there for another three years and we get a fully fit Kante for two of those years, I'd say keep him. Um, if his injuries are chronic and he's only going to be downhill from from here, then I'd say sell him. But the problem is we don't know. No, and the problem is he's thirty one, nearly thirty two by the time his contract comes. So at the end, at the end no, year, he'll anyway. be thirty two by the thirty two. Yeah. By the next summer, he'll be thirty two. He's thirty one at the end of March. Okay, so what would you do, Gary? Um, it depends who's on the market. If they've got a replacement lined up, I would sell him. Not because I don't like him, not because I think he's a bad player, but because, and this is a bit of insight into how executives think. Um, We were just chatting with an executive at Chelsea, weren't we, Kerry, who was explaining a few things about managerial changes that have been made in the past. And they made the point that sometimes the manager gets the boot, not because they're doing a bad job, but because the club needs something the manager can't give. And this was talking about Viali, for instance, and why the club got rid of Viali was that it was very popular, but they let him, they, they sacked him because they realised that where they were in the, for the club and where the club was going and it had started with Hoddle and it got to 99, 2000, Chelsea had got to a certain position and they knew that club, uh, sorry, that squad needed the rebuild and needed the refresh and Viali wasn't the man to do it. So they got rid of him and brought Ranieri in, which at the time I think everyone was upset about. I know I was as a teenager, but then you look in, you see, think it stands to reason, right? Ranieri ended up blooding John Terry uh, for Frank LeBerth, let LeBerth go, bought in Frank Lampard, signed Idica Johnson. Yeah, so started making those changes that the club needed to get him to a certain point. So I think that if you look at Kante, if there's an ideal replacement, then it sort of makes sense that you let him go after six good years at the club to bring someone in who's going to replace him. But is that I, replacement I, yeah. now? I don't know. I think that's a fair point and a fair analysis I mean there, there comes a point when players reach those early 30 years where you do start to think about transition problem is a fit Kante is by by anybody's standards the best player in the world you know there's no two ways about it that yeah in his he position can, yeah he's he's unbelievable I mean I, I would say that watching N'Golo Kante at times he's the best player I've ever seen at Chelsea ever you know, and I think you can say Hazard has been bewitching and poetic and balletic in in his play, and you know he's a he's he's a wizard at what he does. But just in terms of reading the game, winning balls, positioning, I mean, Kante's on, on another planet when he's amazing. Problem is, we don't know how amazing he's going to be moving forward, and whether his knees have gone, his hamstrings have gone. We don't know, you know, whether he'll ever recapture that level of play, you know, which is you know, worth worth anybody's money. The question they have yeah. to ask themselves as well is, you know, even if Kante is going to be peak Kante for another two years, do they want to lose peak Kante 
now and sacrifice those two years knowing that you've got another player who's got eight years in him? So, so you know, if you could say, look, I'll, for... I'll buy you Declan Rice and we'll bring back Conor Gallagher. And, um, you know, but we'll have to let Kante and Jorginho go. You'd be fine with that? Yes, I would. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I think I probably would as well, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's um, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and when... just to say, just sorry, I was just going to say, and that's to absolutely no detriment to Jorginho. It's, it's no, not, I think, no, exactly, you know, and I think that should, that's got to be said, you know, but I would think that would change the dynamic of the midfield. I think it's a very interesting thought. Declan Rice and Conor Gallagher would give you a lot more impetus. And, and Andy, you, you talk about this a lot, about that transition, the transition from midfield into the, the front players. Players like that would give you certain something. Now, you would lose potentially a little bit of that defensive control, but would you be happy at the sacrifice that potentially what those kind of players could do for us? Look, I've watched Declan Rice a lot. I mean, I don't know whether we'll get Declan Rice. I don't know if he's too expensive. I don't know whether, you know, he'll go somewhere else. But, you know, if Declan Rice were to come to us, I've watched him enough to think he's an absolutely superb footballer. And I think that he would he would fit quite nicely into a Tuchel system in terms of breaking the transition. I think he's he's very good at that. One of the problems we've had in our midfield for a long time now is a lack of goals. There's been no goals in our midfield since Frank um, or since Frank, Essie and Balak, you know, those those players that would chip in with between 10 and 20 goals each a season. And I just don't see the goals in there, you know, at the moment. So maybe it is time to transition at least one player in who can score some goals, i.e. Conor Gallagher. So what about you, Gary? How do you feel about a similar, if not, Declan Rice, Conor Gallagher kind of midfield pairing? Well, it'd be an, an evolution, wouldn't it? Which something we've always spoken about is that I think as Conte, uh, sorry, Conte, as um, uh, to, I've forgotten the name of the manager, Tuchel. <laughs> as uh, as Tuchel, uh, cause the reason I was saying Conte is I was thinking about the, how similar the systems are. Um, I think for Tuchel to start getting his mark on this team more so that it looks more like a Tuchel team that we know. I know there was a certain way that he played with PSG but I think you look at the, the Dortmund team he had the way that he played I think that he does need a bit more dynamism in midfield whether that comes from a Declan Rice Conor Gallagher combo obviously you can attach any you know number of names to it but to use that as the example I think there's going to be more dynamic going forward but then what happens with that is you take a risk defensively because you're basically removing the insurance of having the two at two in the middle which I think he's always been wise to play that because he's eased his way into English football he's eased his way into Chelsea right you see what he inherited the way Chelsea were leaking goals so much that doesn't happen as much as it did before Um, although there are defensive weaknesses but I just think that when we look at Lukaku and I know a lot has been made on on social media about the analysis on match of the day which I think was fair but I think when you look at Lukaku how can you play a system with a guy who wants to be on the shoulder of the defender to get in behind quick and relies yeah. on quick movements and quick uh, transitions when Chelsea want to build up a bit too much through the midfield? So how do you play to those strengths? Do you spend another 100 million to get a midfielder that might allow you to do that? Or do you just say, we're going to cast this 100 million aside on Lukaku and try doing something else because we've got a system? 
Uh, look, I think I think it's probably a good time to mention. I don't know about you, Kerry, what your agenda looks like, but I think actually, if you if you look at the Lukaku situation, the class seven touches in a game, the lowest in Premier League, and all that stuff, you know, I thought Liam Toomey did a really interesting piece in the Athletic this week, looking analysing at you know the positioning of Lukaku throughout the game and the amount of times we didn't pass to him, where the opportunity, particularly with Rudiger, who seems to be our trigger man moving forward had the opportunity to thread the ball and went out wide. Um, at times, Ziyech had a chance to play him in and went square. And, you know, if you've got dynamic midfield players like, for example, Gallagher and Rice, is that going to allow you to play a much more direct, quicker transition to the front three that's going to play to the strengths of a player like Lukaku? Because there were times, and I think it is a bit of both, I don't think Lukaku's movement's particularly sharp or, or particularly intelligent at the moment. And I think that might be in his head. It might just be part of his, his technique. But what what you are seeing, if you're if you're fair about it, is him not being found quickly enough when there are opportunities to do so. I, I would I would agree with that. I'm, I think it's it's one of those stats. Stats can be taken. We've talked about this any one of a number of ways and can be twisted to make it look like he's a terrible player. He's a lazy player. He's a this player. He's a that player. And I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of it. There was a, at the end of that article, there was an interesting uh, comment from an Everton fan who said, the thing about Lukaku is he will cause trouble. He will say things out of turn. He will do this. He will do that. But if you do give him the ball, he will score or get a shot pretty much on target. And that's what you get from him. He yeah. will do things. But you have to provide for him. He's not a go. He's not like Harry Kane who'll drop it halfway into his own half just to pick the ball up so he can do something. He just wants to be, most of the time, on the end of a move. Yeah. That's what he's all about. And I think it, it was tough. I mean, we'll, we'll t- I mean, let's move on to the Palace game anyway. I mean, it was a, it was a tough old game. It was tough for him. Uh, you know, he had two shots, both of which were on target and offside, I think. Um, but he did look as though nobody was reading him. And it sometimes you just, do they not like him? <laughs> is there some, how can you not see a man the size that he is making runs and pointing? I it, don't think that our midfield players or our players that are sitting behind him are playing with enough bravery. I don't think they're no. playing with enough confidence to play those balls because they're, they're scared of making a mistake and they're scared of, you know, uh, uh, of people giving them a hard time if, if the ball doesn't end up at the feet of Lukaku. And sometimes I think it's down to Tuchel to say, look, you need to take the handbrake off creatively. You need to get the ball into him. And if, you know, if we lose the ball, then we'll recycle it. You know, we'll get it back, we'll press back and we'll get it. Because that's what Klopp does. And that's what Guardiola does. Says play with bravery, play with creativity. If we lose the ball, we'll win it back. You know, and that's the key at the moment is it's much easier, I think, for certain Chelsea players to play the ball sideways and square or to play a long ball over the top of hit and hope or to play it out wide than it is to play the braver ball down the middle for fear of making a mistake. And, you know, what was interesting is there was acres of room out wide. Um, but that's exactly what Palace wanted. They wanted us to put it out wide so they could consolidate their players in the middle. It was so obvious and, and, and there just wasn't enough imagination and creativity. And if I was Lukaku, I'd be going mad because there were great opportunities to pick the ball up and pass it. If it got intercepted, win it back. And and I think that, that that's the issue at the moment is Tuchel is, is either not getting that message across or the players aren't capable of, playing that lose-it-win-it-back game. 
Yeah, I mean, Gary, um, how do you feel about this? How does this pan out? How does it play out? Because we do have an issue here, and there is a... I think this idea that there's a lack of bravery is quite an interesting subject because the soft option... When Chelsea are playing well, we don't play the soft option. We're always playing nice little balls around the corner. People are making runs. Is there part of the the, the problem that we don't have... We know our wing-backs are not in place, so therefore we, we are filling holes and not really like for like. Um, how, do, how do you explain that? I think the wing-back issue is obviously interesting and is, is pertinent given the system is based around you know two players in that position and we haven't got them. I think the bravery issue, I understand it, but just looking at it from, you know, to talk about Saturday, say, you know, you think bravery in terms of the midfielders and they, they picked out Havertz on match of the day, didn't they? And, and Ziyech. But I think that's more down to a systematic issue, right? That we want to see them do that. But at the same time, the system and the personnel isn't set up for them to do that. Do you know what I mean? So maybe it's mixed messaging and maybe what Lukaku was saying to Sky was true and it did hold weight but it's just the, the manner in which he did it rather than doing it in a manager's office he did it on a tv camera but I, th- I think there's a lot to be said for that and i think as well i should codicil what i'm saying with bravery mixed with quality because we gave the ball away a huge amount on saturday with poor passes what i'm not talking about is just get the ball and pass it you know just willy-nilly i'm talking about quality of passing and quality of movement you know and I think that's missing a little bit because you know they're attempting to pass the ball just really badly on occasion uh, and they're not not winning it back I I just think that and it it goes back to um, the Liverpool game where when we drew two all and we we spoke about it at length didn't we about the way Chelsea played and we weren't sure whether you know because obviously still time will tell I know that's a bit of a cop-out but time will tell about that game, whether it was just a, a game in isolation in terms of the approach or whether he set out to play that way. Because we played really high-octane football and we beat, well, I say we beat, we almost beat Liverpool playing at their own game, right? We looked the better team and um, they had some lucky breaks. But, you know, you think about the way that game was played and then when Jorginho came on, Chelsea dropped 10 yards and there was that moment when Pulisic had the shot and Jorginho, I know you wouldn't have seen it, Andy, because you were at the game, but on camera, Jorginho has a go at Pulisic, and he goes, you know, hey, man, what the hell? Because he was shooting, but <laughs> but Jorginho wanted him to... It's only a new Gary Hayes <laughs> voice we've got here. Was hey, that Hakim hey, hey, it's me, Christian Pulisic from Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> hey. <I'm> truly dreadful. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and you could see then that Pulisic wanted to play on the front foot he wanted to get in behind he wanted to make something happen where Jorginho was like no no let's have another pass and I just think Jorginho you know sort of held that gate and that's we're just talking about that game not the bigger picture but so I think maybe with different personnel in there things change I don't know so whether it's bravery or not as well I still don't know there has to be an element of bravery because if you've got a if you've got a 100 million euro striker making runs and you're not finding him then I think that almost says you're not being brave enough with the ball. You know, if you want to pass it sideways when there's a, when it's open to do that and you're not doing it, there's got to be a confidence issue. Hear what you say about Jorginho. Jorginho can slow a game down. I think we know that. Um, his job is to kind of keep a tempo going, but not necessarily a high tempo. Um, and, and he's reliant on people around him, runners around him. You know, his job is to 
pick the ball up, transition it. What goes on ahead of him is up to those other people. And I think the fullbacks, the loss of the fullbacks is a huge issue because it gives us, you know, it takes away a lot of our momentum, takes a lot of our, away of our quality moving forward. You know, but there are opportunities, I think, in that front three, front four, where we just haven't taken them. And it, it's just too, it's too laborious. And I certainly don't want to get into a full word kind of mentality, <laughs> but there has to be some bravery of passing a live with quality and I think, not just giving the ball away for, you know, for, for giving the ball away's sake. What we're yeah, seeing I'd, as well. I'd also say, Gary, Sorry, Gary I, I'll just also say that we very rarely try and take a player on when we're in the, when we're in the wide positions. And I'd like to see that a little bit more. I don't mind if you lose the ball there because often we've got two out wide and somebody will come in to make the tackle. We don't do it. I mean, hudson Adoy did it once last once. week. Um uh, but when you see him do it and he gets it, we score. It it throws defences if you can beat a man on the outside. And we just don't do it enough. Sorry, back to you, Gary. Well, I think that, and just on that point, though, it almost comes down to, you know, I don't know if it's a term to be used, but I've always said about handbrake football, which is what I feel like Tuchel's been playing at times since he came in. And that's not to criticise him. I think he's been wise to do it. That's how he won the Champions League, right? Um, but I don't know whether players not taking on, you know, and isolating defenders and doing it, whether that is an instruction from the manager because of the system, whether they're like, we want to play football by numbers. So we know the data says the more you try to expose a player, there's more risk. Therefore, we want you to pass through them rather than beating them individually. Because if you lose the ball, you're out of position. It leaves us open to counters, etc. I, I don't know whether that comes into it, but I just think looking at this Chelsea team as well, and I don't think this is Tuchel's problem. And I don't think it's the fault of any of the players in the team. But I think what you're looking at is that in 2016, you had Conte. And then two years later, that goes into Sarri. Then a year later, it goes into Lampard. And then 18 months later, it goes into Tuchel. And they've all made signings along the way. Lampard's brought in young players and then made signings in one summer. And suddenly you've got a man who is the beating heart of Sarri ball to give, you know, to use that term is in a team where the manager is known to play a different system to that. Lampard didn't play that system either. And his system's different to Tuchel. And I think what you've got is you've got this patchwork quilt of a squad where a manager's got probably 400 to 500 million worth of talent in there. And they're asking him to go, right, put your mark on this team and use all these players that you've been inheriting, you know? Yeah, and, and also I just think as well, it's difficult. Uh, it, sorry to interrupt. I, I mean, it, it is true that both Klopp and Guardiola took some time to get their teams to this kind of killer quality. Um, it didn't happen overnight for them. I mean, there was a lot of fraudiola. You know, Klopp's a fraud. You know, it's not, it's not happening. Um, you know, it took a little bit of time to put the pieces into place and to to get their philosophy embedded in the team and we shouldn't forget as well that we're third in the table we've only lost 3 games we've got we've scored the third most goals you know in the premier league this season you know our last 5 games we've won 2 drawn 2 and lost 1 you know it's the draws that have killed us um and and the football's not that attractive to watch at the moment but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we are having a successful season Exactly. Well, look, we come back and finish off the talk about the Palace game in a minute, but we should go to a commercial break. And we're back. All right. Well, look, carrying on with the Palace game, um, it was a tough game and 
it looked as though it was going to take maybe one goal would win it. And, of course, we had the disallowed goal. But the, the person I'd like to talk about is the person who scored the winner, uh, Hakim Ziyech. Now, he's starting to really show what he's made of, isn't he? He's starting to show his abilities. He's starting to feel as though he's got an understanding for English football. And it's maybe this is the classic case of it takes more than a year to bed in, especially if you've never played in the Premier League. Ziyech, is he going to turn into a good player for us? A great player, perhaps, even, Gary? Well, I think he's already a good player for us. I, I really like him. I've liked him ever since yeah. we signed him. Um, I think he's he offers something that is completely different to anyone else in that squad, whether that's how he does it when he starts or whether it's when he comes off the bench. And I think, you see, the way he took that goal was just pure class, right? Megging the keeper as well on the volley like that. I think he's a, a really, really talented player that gives this team something different. It gives us, you know, um, a lot of flair. And I just hope he doesn't get injured because when he's got into this momentum building in the past he's suffered some really frustrating injuries like in the summer when he was you know getting going in pre I know it's pre-season you know to caveat that but he was getting going and what happens he does does his shoulder and um, when he first joined and you know he, he come into Chelsea I think you look at all the signings that summer that Lampard made um, you know Ziyech, Havertz, Werner they haven't really pulled up trees and look at them and you think, oh, they're well worth the money we spent. But we, and we've seen it in flashes, right? But he came in for COVID football. You know, it, it took him a year to play in front of a crowd almost, you know, and to, to really feel what it's like to play for Chelsea. Um, and I just think that, yeah, not going to the Africa Cup of Nations has probably helped him because he's been in and around the squad more um, in a, a time when he maybe wouldn't have been. But I just think that you want a bit of variation in those attacking areas. And I, I think sometimes when you look at squads that you bring one player off and replace him with the other, and you're like, well, he's going to do exactly the same thing. Whereas with Ziyech, you know, he's offering something different. Andy, is he starting to nail down one of those front three positions for you? Well, he is at the moment. I mean, Gary's absolutely right. He's, uh, he does offer us something that, that we don't have. Um, my issue with Ziyech has always been his fragility, whether he has the physical, uh, wherewithal to withstand the pressures of the Premier League and the physicality of the Premier League. And certainly in the early days, that little string of injuries that he had was slightly concerning because he'd absolutely smashed it in Holland. You know, he was the player of the year for Ajax three seasons in a row um, and, you know, was was hailed as a, a god along the same level that Hazard was for us. Um, so, you know, he came with, with a lot of pressure and maybe that, that didn't help. Um, you can't argue with the fact that he scored in his last three league games consecutively um, and he's having a moment. But it's all about whether he can sustain it and whether he can be consistent with it. You know, if he can put together another five or six matches of high quality, I think then we can start to think about him becoming potentially a great player for us. If it's going to be, you know, uh, three great games, two average games, a poor game, then another good game, then we're in the same situation as we are with several of our other players in this situation, whether that be Cullen Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic or these other creative players that can't seem to put together long periods of consistency. Well, Pulisic is an interesting one. Don't get me started on Pulisic. Hey, th- hey I thought you might have seen about Pulisic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
he was trying to get things going more against Palace. Um, he was trying to take players on. He was playing a different role as well, which I, th- I found curious. Uh, but they were obviously trying to free up space for him. It wasn't quite working for him. But are you worried about how he's been going recently, Gary? What, in terms of his form? Yeah, everything. that He just he can't seem to, to, to really get a game under his control. Yeah, I... <sighs> He's just not a guy. You know, you you see some players like maybe Mount or you know even Hudson Odoi to a lesser degree, but they'll play out of position, right? And to use maybe Hudson Odoi is a better example, but he will play out of position as a wing back, or he'll play as is an inside forward, and he'll do a similar job and he'll look okay. Whereas I think Pulisic, the moment he's not an inside forward, he just whether it's that he doesn't have the stomach for it or whether he just can't compete. I, and I think back to the Brighton game over Christmas, um, Solly March just had, you know, it was, it was down my side on the West End and Solly March just had him in his pocket and he was just completely annihilating him for the whole 45 minutes. It was, it was, um, yeah, it, it was difficult to watch because Pulisic was just like a little kid against him. And that was March who isn't a bad player, but he's not a great player, right? And he was just running rings around him as the wing back. And Pulisic just didn't look like he could compete in that way. But I think when he plays consistently in the position he's meant to play, I still maintain that he's Chelsea's best attacking player alongside Mount. Um, I think he's got it in him where you see he's, he's got the ability to isolate players and go round him in, in the way that we were talking about. We want to see players do more. I think when he drops his shoulder, he can expose players. And I know this is going back a while, um, but I just think about what he did to... Uh, Mendy with Man City when we came back after COVID and he picked, you know, dad the corner, picks the well, ball up on the halfway line. in prison for the last six months. Right. Mendy was talking about here, not Pulisic. Maybe Pulisic's been in mental prison. Um, but you, you see the way he skipped That's past him. That's pretty deep. But, but he's, he skipped past him, didn't he? And, and I think he's got that ability and then it, that rolls into the FA Cup final where he injured himself. But I think if he didn't injure himself in that Cup final against Arsenal, Chelsea win that game, right? He was, he was clearly our best attacking player that day. So I know he's got it in him. But then what I'm trying to work out, and I guess other people might be feeling the same way, is that is that a flash of brilliance we saw at a period and it's not coming back? Or is it that he just needs a bit more of a, an arm around the shoulder because he strikes me as that sort of character and he needs that opportunity to rediscover that? But I know he, you can see he's got it in him. But Andy, is it, it, what I think is odd is we've got so many players who are out of form at the same time. That's really unusual. Now, is that something down to the coaching? No. Or is this just bad luck? It's bad luck. And look, let's go back to Pulisic. You know, I think Gary's, what Gary said, he says it makes a lot of sense. You know, we know he's got it in him. We know that he's a highly talented player. We know that he's got great feet. We know he's a very good finisher. We know all of this stuff. He can't seem to do it on a football pitch in the Premier League at the moment. He spends more time on the floor than he does on his feet. He doesn't go past people. His touch is poor. I think a lot of it's in his head. I just think he's not mentally strong enough to deal with the pressures of the Premier League. And I think that, you know, I am losing faith in the kid. I am. You know, I'm not losing faith in Callum Hudson-Odoi. Callum Hudson-Odoi, I think, you know, we've seen enough of Callum Hudson-Odoi to know he has got mental strength. Sometimes he doesn't swagger as much as I would like him to. And sometimes he doesn't take people on as much as I want him to. But I think there's something about Callum that's got a bit of steel about him 
I just wonder whether whether Pulisic has a spine. You know, I just think that, that he's, I just think that he doesn't seem to be up for it, Gary. Have you seen, did, did you see the interview he did after the recent, or during the recent international break? Yeah, but words are cheap, Gary. No, 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 but, but what he was talking about, it was an interesting perspective on what players go through and maybe what they, you know, try to do, stuff that we don't see, right? So I'll, I'll just read it because he said, um, this was to ESPN, and he was talking about, this is US men's national team, not Chelsea, but he said, um, sometimes it's tough to play for the US. I still haven't completely learned, especially going back home. Sometimes I put too much pressure on myself that I need to do something special where I just need to play the best I can, do what I can, and hopefully p- people recognise that. And I think if you sort of put that on Chelsea, not that he's talking about Chelsea specifically, but maybe he's in that frame of mind as well, that maybe he's putting pressure on himself. Maybe he's trying to do something special when maybe doing something simple would help. Maybe well, playing that's what out I'm position. talking about, having the mental strength to figure that out. It's not like he hasn't got opportunities. He's had lots and lots of opportunities to play. Yes, he's been injured, and yes, he's had some unfortunate you know, situations with injuries. But the point is, he's been given opportunities to play in position, to play in different positions. And when I see him play now... I, my heart sinks to see him struggle so much. Now, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, we write him off and we bin him out and, you know, we get rid of him and I'm not a hater and I don't boo him, you know, or any of that nonsense. I just think that there are 11 starting places in Chelsea Football Club's first team. Is he justified having one of those? I'm not sure he is. Not at the moment he isn't. I think no. what we've got to understand with him as well, though, is that, you know, I, I don't think... Maybe it's mental strength. I, I maybe see those quotes from him there with ESPN and think that it's a emotional intelligence almost that he's he's developing that emotional intelligence to know when to do it and when not to. Right? And you look at it, he's only twenty three. He, he only turned twenty three in September, and he came with a massive price tag. Was it fifty eight million? I, I understand that as well. And he's playing for the world champions. You know, he's playing for the European champions. So, and he's an American doing it. So he's, he's doing something that is in uncharted territory, right? Maybe that's playing on his mind a little bit. Um, he needs to develop that emotional intelligence to do it. Some players develop it earlier in their careers because they've got that inner confidence or they just feel comfortable in their surroundings. He's, Maybe he's, that's what comes with it. It's, it's like the naivety of youth. I, I don't know, but this is the problem that you get with young players when they're playing under an incredible spotlight mm. and... They can't adapt sometimes. He's made 98 appearances for Chelsea. He's made 225 top-flight appearances for Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea. You know, he's he's had he's he's what you would call a hardened battle-ready player, isn't he? With that amount of appearances at the top level, you know, we need to see some level of consistency consistency from him. It's no good harking back to a couple of cup finals ago and one moment just before he got injured. I want to see it week in week out like I do with Ziyech. I want to see these players being able to deliver week in week out. We're never going to win the league again unless we can have players who can do it week in week out. See what, what do you what think, I would say? Yeah, what do I think? I think I, th- I think we are inconsistent, and the the thing that Chelsea have always survived on uh, when they've been winning titles is consistency, and we've become we've become a great cup side again. We've talked about this in the previous weeks. I, it does concern me that we are we're very okay. We, we are very hard to beat but we find it very hard to win. And I think that that is kind of how I feel the mantra is at the moment. And I think somebody like Pulisic, 
You can see it all in there. He's only one stumble away from a great run, but we need to find a way to, or he needs to find a way to become that player again. Otherwise, I'm afraid he's on the, the Chelsea scrap heap. And there's quite a few players in this squad who are not doing themselves justice at the moment for one reason or another. I want to see them all come good. If you look at the team. sorry, if you look at the players from our rivals, and if our rivals are Liverpool and Manchester City, and you look at Kevin De Bruyne, and you look at uh, Mane, or you look at Salah, or you look at you know Gundogan, or you know Bernardo, or you know or any of these players, they're all a lot more consistent than players like Pulisic, and and that's the thing. They would like, have finished article when the club signed them. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, I've just isn't. given you a stat of 225 top-flight appearances. Okay, so just talking about the games that, he did, that he's played for Chelsea, I just did the quick maths on it. So of those 98 games he's appeared for Chelsea, he's only started 63 of them. So 63 you look at is it, a decent amount, Gary. That's, that's two, yeah, but that's two-thirds. So you look at what's happened within those two-thirds of games that he started, he's had a horrendous hamstring injury that he's taken time to recover from. He's, he's had to try to mature at Chelsea during a period of COVID. Now, that's... I know a lot of players have had to play under that. I think to compare him to Salah and Mane, I think is unfair at the moment just because of when Liverpool signed them, they signed them as the finished article, right? Salah was Salah before Liverpool signed him. Liverpool didn't make him the player he is, right? But we, we, signed, Pulisic, we, signed, we signed Pulisic after 127 appearances for Borussia Dortmund in the, in the Bundesliga. Yeah, but I, I just look into. You know, Liverpool signed Mane after playing for Southampton. You know, it's like what, what you know. What, what's your point? So okay, so if you look at um, his appearances for Dortmund, according and I, I'm going by soccer base, right? Apparently, here he only started half of those games for Dortmund as well. So I know you can start throwing out 125 games and stuff, but he's not. It's so if you bring back his starts he's only actually started about 125 games in his career that's, that's which is still it's still a decent amount but, in, in but hold on league. hold on hold on isn't there another point here why is he getting so few starts in that many games well you know, i think if mean? you look at it at dortmund again it's an anomaly because he was a 17 year old when he when he signed sure, from right exactly. so he's, he's coming so, off the bench a lot so he's being blooded and Chelsea got him for good money and Chelsea bought him to be, you know, for someone to grow into being a star of the game. And I think that he's not where he should be. And I completely agree with that. I think that now you want to start seeing more from him, but you start considering the things that he's gone through um, in terms of, you know, injuries, you know, especially, you know, this season he had that ankle injury as well that he picked up in on international duty as well. Right. I just think that you look at him and he was bought, as a player to evolve and develop with this squad. And he's probably a little bit behind where we expected him to be. But in saying all of that, this is the issue that you get with young players. Chelsea signed him as a 20 year old, hoping that he would go on to be, you know, a big star. And I think he's still got time on his side to do that. Um, But Chelsea weren't buying the finished article in the way that they were buying or they expected to buy the finished article of Lukaku, for instance, he's not the finished article that Manchester city bought with Kevin De Bruyne, who was a, you know, the leader of the Belgium team, a guy who had made over, you know, 250, 300 starts in his career. You know, he was a player yeah, no. who came in to be the player yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah, that club. Look, I, I hear all that. I hear all that. And, you know, there's some sense in it. But, you know, the other thing is, would Pulisic get a starting berth in any of our rivals? No. 
Not at this moment in I time. I think but... he would have the same role he's got in this Chelsea team at Liverpool. And yeah. I think he would have the same role in this Chelsea team at Man City. Yeah, which means I, he's not starting I, most of yeah, the time. I don't yeah. think he'd start much at all. No, I think he'd be, be below Mares at City. Yeah. Uh, I, actually... I don't think well, so, but that's just my You opinion. don't think he'd be below Mares? I think he'd No, I, I think that what he offers is something completely different and better to what Mares does. I think he would suit Guardiola's system. I think he'd be below Grealish systems, right? and Mares. I think he'd definitely be below oh, No one can be below Grealish. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, listen, I don't like like to slag individual players. I'm frustrated by Pulisic um, because you know it's there. You know the talent's there. You know, you just want to know that, you know, when when you pick 11 players for Chelsea, they're the best possible players available. I'm not sure that he is one of the best possible players available. Yeah, I I agree in that. Anyway, look, we've got to move on. He needs to be better than he is. Yeah, he does. And we should move on because... We, we got the three points against Palace. Uh, it was hard-earned. It felt like, wow, there we go. We got a last-minute winner here. It was actually a wonderful day in the end because that's a difficult place to go to. Right, look, we've got coming up the Champions League. And don't forget to listen at the end of the week uh, when we'll be doing our Cup Final special when we play against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup Final on Sunday. Um, but before then, we should just wrap up with a quick look towards the Lille game in the Champions League. How do we see this going? And predictions, please. First of all, over to you, Gary Hayes, and tell us what you think about Joe Cole's former side. Well, they're not that great, are they? No, they're not. Not now. Um, when, the, when they had Payet, Joe Cole and Eden Hazard up front, that must have been really good fun to watch because they won the title, didn't they? They did. Um, yeah. So. Wasn't uh, Dujardin their, their coach as well? Who, oh, no, no, he was at Monaco, wasn't he? Sorry. Yeah. Um, How I think, embarrassing. Sorry, yes. Um, but you look at um, their results this season, and since the turn of the year, they've won twice. And I don't think that says much for the form they're in. PSG played them recently, stuffed them 5-1. I don't think PSG are that much better than us. Um, so... I think we should be winning this game and I think we should be winning it comfortably. Um, But then at the same time, as we've discussed, Kerry, Chelsea have this amazing ability rather than raising our game to beat teams. We sort of are quite happy to bring ourselves down to their level. We sort of go up and down depending on who we're playing. Um, But we should win this game comfortably and we should have it done and dusted by the second second leg. Okay, so prediction, Gary, score please. Chelsea 3, Lille 0, and Pulisic to get on the score sheet. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, what are your thoughts on this game? And can we wrap this up before we go there? Uh, Well, last time time we played Lille, um, I was there. I went to see them uh, over in Lille, and uh, they weren't very good. You know, that was a, 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 a little while ago. Um, and as Gary says, they've had issues with their manager. They've had issues in, in their form. Um, they're not, I don't think, a particularly great team. Um, but I think that he's also right in the fact that we seem to lack the killer 
punch against teams that are on their knees a little bit. Um, so if we go over there and we play to our ability and we create chances and we bring Lukaku into the game if he plays or you know we create chances for our front three, then there shouldn't be an issue. And I think we should win it quite comfortably. So I'm going to say 2-0, but caveated with a, you know, who knows with this Chelsea team at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one. And also, it, it's weird now that away goals don't count double. I think that's a misstep for no, me. No, I think I, it's good. Do you? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it means we play more attacking football. Have you seen the games last week? Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I think generally... No one gonna, played attacking football. Well, but I, think, but I think it means that you don't just set up shop, you know, if you've got the away goal. I just think no matter who yeah. you play, teams are going to play that... You know, certain teams will play that way, certain teams won't. I love the drama of away goals. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do. I still remember that, you know, the worst away goal we ever conceded was that one against Barcelona. Yeah. Um, but then that, flip that, that was... and take away the away goals and the new camp when Torres scored. We knew the game was over because they had to score twice more to yeah. win, but they could have gone and got one more to keep themselves in the tie. I think my attitude yeah, no, is, no, is no, you I know, don't... it's two games of football. Just do it on aggregate. You know, that, that's my that's my way. You know, you get your advantage by playing at home, or you should do. Just play two games of football, and whoever scores the most goals wins. I mean, that, that I, I just think the simplicity, I like the simplicity of it. Ah, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to miss away goals, unless Lille score one, of course. Um, and my prediction for this, I think we'll get a 1-0 win. Um, I, think, I think we will, at the moment, we need a game where we score a number of goals and unblock ourselves. Even though we've scored quite a lot of goals this season, it just doesn't feel like it at the moment. But I do think a victory is coming up. Right, Okay. well, that's it for this show. Don't forget to join us uh, on Friday when we'll be previewing the Cup final. Thank you, as always, Andy. Thank you to Gary as well. And also thank you to Christian Pulisic. Um, It's been lovely having you on, Christian. Hey, Gary. God bless America. Thank you very much. Um, We will see you all towards the end of the week. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honour. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.